It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Abortion rights have been guaranteed in the United States for nearly 50 years under the landmark ruling of Roe v. Wade. But now, in the most consequential reproductive rights case in a generation, it appears the Supreme Court is ready to roll back abortion rights or perhaps eliminate the constitutional right to abortion altogether. During oral arguments this week, all six conservative justices indicated they would uphold Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Although the justices appeared to be divided on just how far they would go, here at Chief Justice John Roberts and Justices Samuel Alito and Brett Kavanaugh. If it really is an issue about choice, why is 15 weeks not enough time? The fetus has an interest in having a life, and that doesn't change, does it, from the point before viability to the point after viability? Why should this court be the arbiter? rather than uh, Congress, the state legislatures, state Supreme Courts, the people being able to uh, resolve this. And there'll be different answers in Mississippi and New York. Justice Sonia Sotomayor and the two other liberal justices said that a decision gutting the court's precedent on abortion would undermine the court's legitimacy. Will this institution survive the stench that this creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts. I, I, I don't see how it is possible. Joining me is Mary Ziegler, a professor at Florida State University College of Law who specializes in the legal history of reproductive rights. Mary, what was your take on the arguments? The overall impression I got, obviously, is that Mississippi is going to win, and I think it's much more likely that the court is going to overturn Roe outright this summer, you know, with the usual caveats that things can change between argument and decision. What was the main question? Was it the viability standard, the precedential value of Roe? Definitely more the latter than the former, for sure. I mean, there was a lot of time spent on the precedential value of Roe and whether the Constitution is silent or, as Brett Kavanaugh put it, scrupulously neutral about abortion rights. There was much less time spent on viability, although Chief Justice John Roberts certainly focused on viability. And, 
Amy Coney Barrett at some point showed some interest in that line of questioning as well. But the majority of the questions focused on whether Roe was the kind of precedent that deserved respect. The chief justice is an incrementalist. He likes to change law little by little. Was he looking for a middle ground that none of the conservatives took him up on? I think that's a fair reading of it, although I I think the only person who considered taking him up on it is Justice Barrett. I think she's probably going to be, at least based on the argument, the person whose vote is the most up for grabs in the case. But I mean, obviously, getting rid of viability would be a major change to abortion doctrine. So while I think it's right to frame Roberts as an incrementalist and frame that as a search for a middle ground solution, I think it's also worth qualifying that you know, this is not usually what passes for a compromise, but I think that's what he was trying to do. And I think that with maybe the exception of Justice Barrett, there were no takers. Was the only question for conservatives whether to overrule Roe entirely or whether to stop at 15 weeks in the Mississippi law? Was there any inkling of support for maintaining the current rule and precedent? No, I mean, not really. I don't think that any of the conservatives seem interested in that. How did we come this far this fast? Because just a few years ago, it seemed like Roe was on pretty solid ground. It's obviously quite sudden. I mean, I think Justice Sotomayor, although people who are anti-abortion or pro-life didn't like the tone of her question, had a point in saying, you know, legislators have been saying, essentially, we can do whatever we want when it comes to abortion because we have the votes. And it does seem to have changed quite rapidly that we've gone from June medical not even two years ago, to an oral argument where the court seems ready to throw out the whole kit and caboodle. So I think there's no other way to explain it other than the court's membership changing. Nothing else has been that transformative in the time between June of 2020 and the winter of 2021. Did it seem as if there were three camps, Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch, who are ready to overturn Roe, And on the other side, you have the liberal justices, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, who want to preserve Roe, obviously. And then this other group of Chief Justice John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, where I'm not sure where they were. Does the decision depend on those three? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, based on the argument, I'm not sure I would lay out the configuration that way. That was the configuration going in. If just based on the argument, if you knew nothing else with the argument, you would say that there were four justices ready to overrule Roe right now, and you would include Brett Kavanaugh alongside Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch, and put John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett in the middle, with Barrett, I think, leaning more toward the Kavanaugh at all camp. And Roberts certainly sort of standing on his own in this kind of viability strategy that he laid out. But I think the votes we're watching probably most closely will be Justice Barrett's vote. Justice Kavanaugh, of course, was more an up-for-grabs vote. We all thought that, and so we may, of course, not want to read too much into what he said at argument, but what he said at argument certainly made it sound as if he was leading in the direction of reversing Roe. Justice Kavanaugh came up with a list of past Supreme Court cases that had overruled earlier decisions, ruled against precedent, including Brown v. Board of Education, which outlawed the separate but equal doctrine. We hear these justices during confirmation hearings talking about Roe as settled precedent. Kavanaugh said that Roe was settled as precedent of the Supreme Court at his confirmation hearings. 
you could go back to Justice Alito, who also said it was settled precedent, and the Chief right. Justice. Obviously, unless there's some kind of Supreme Court reform, there's no accountability for not living up to statements you make in your confirmation hearings after you're confirmed. And I think, of course, all of them try to give themselves plausible deniability by being vague, but there's no denying that there's tension between what Justice Kavanaugh said at his hearings and what he seemed to be saying yesterday. Justice Sonia Sotomayor made this statement about, you know, how will we get the stench off this court? So are the conservative justices not concerned at all about public opinion or public reaction and not saying that they should be because we want judges to be independent? But it, does it seem as if that's no concern of theirs anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of um, some of them don't care and don't think they should care. And I think some of them may care, but think that there's a way to finesse it. Um, I think Justice Kavanaugh's questions seem to be sort of reaching for that, right? To say, this is not the court harming people. This is not the court ignoring precedent. This is the court being scrupulously neutral. This is the court being fair. This is the court restoring some kind of true compromise where everyone gets a say. And I think Kavanaugh may well believe that a decision like that would not damage the court. I don't think most observers agree with him on that, but I think he may think there's a way to sort of finesse, you know, getting rid of what he thinks is a wrongly decided decision without damaging the court too much. Um, I think many of the justices, like, for example, Justice Thomas, I think just don't think that it's important or that if they do, they're primarily concerned with the response of people with whom they agree rather than the sort of broader public response. At the beginning of the arguments, Thomas asked how the court could uphold the Mississippi law without overturning the court's precedence on abortion. Is that even possible to do? Not if you leave Roe entirely intact. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogger said the idea of a right to abortion is important independent of viability. And the court could say that, essentially, that viability is more flawed, just as the court said in Casey that a right to choose abortion was important independent of Roe's trimester framework. There's a way to do that. Obviously, to do that, you have to rewrite what Roe means. So there's no way to do it and leave Roe intact. But I think it's also disingenuous to say that you would have to say there's no abortion right if you say there's no viability. I don't think that follows. But I think many of the justices want to say there's no abortion right. Many of the advocates on both sides think it's preferable for the court to say there's no abortion right if they're going to side with Mississippi. And so it seems increasingly likely that that's what we're going to get. So even if the court doesn't explicitly overturn Roe, would a decision upholding Mississippi's law have a far-reaching impact? Totally. I mean, we would expect to see states interpreting this as a green light to move forward with absolute bans. We would expect to see circuit courts agreeing with that assessment and allowing more abortion bans to stand. And we would expect, I think, to see the court move toward reversing Roe entirely not long thereafter. And I think you might even see states with trigger laws, which go into effect when Roe is gone, arguing that Roe had been overturned and that their trigger laws or bans could go into effect. If the court overturns Roe, what would be the next step? Could we see a time where abortion is declared unconstitutional? Yeah, it's on the table. I mean, anti-abortion groups are already asking for it. So 
for example, their amicus briefs in this case, arguing that an unborn child is a rights-holding person and asking the court to hold that abortion is unconstitutional. That doesn't seem likely in the short term, in part, of course, because Kavanaugh seemed to try to foreclose that possibility, right? His argument that the Constitution was neutral, he tried to clarify with Mississippi several times, you're saying the Constitution says nothing about this, right? You're not saying the Constitution is pro-life. So at the moment, it seems that there would not be five votes for that approach. But of course, there weren't five votes for overturning Roe not so long ago. And so the Overton window quite clearly is shifting on this, and I don't think you could rule that kind of thing out in the future. Is it a majority of abortion opponents who are looking toward that complete ban on abortion, or is that just the fringes? No, that's the majority. Um, There are people in the anti-abortion movement who um, believe there should be exceptions. But the anti-abortion movement, it's worth sort of unpacking what the anti-abortion movement believes. It's from the standpoint of someone who's opposed to abortion, it's a human rights movement. And that means that allowing the states to decide on whether a human lives or dies is a completely unacceptable solution. So the argument that a fetus or unborn child is a rights-holding person is the, the constitutional argument that brought many abortion opponents into the movement. It was an argument that predated Roe. It's a deeply felt argument. And so this is in no way a fringe argument. The reason we haven't heard more of it is simply because anti-abortion lawyers didn't think it would work. I mean, I think correctly they thought it wouldn't work. But it's never really changed the fact that that's what most of the movement wants. And we would expect, I think, to see an emboldened anti-abortion movement if the court reverses Roe, because the court will then be, I think, in their view, sort of declaring open season or at least opening the door to that kind of argument. So what would be needed to prevent that? Can Congress do something? No. I mean, if the court holds that if a fetus is a, a person, Congress, that's a constitutional holding. So the only way to change that would be to, to reform the court. Again, I don't think this is happening soon because it seems that, like, for example, I don't know if there are any, there are any votes for that on the court right now. I would be unsurprised if there were a few. I don't, for example, think Kavanaugh or Barrett would go for that right now. But I think really if the court declares that, you know, declares fetal personhood, the solution would have to be either a constitutional amendment or changing the court. Finally, I just want you to sum up what you think, I know you referred to it before, what you think is likely to happen here, knowing that you can't tell from oral arguments. I mean, the most likely thing, I think, based on oral arguments, is the court is going to say that there's no constitutional right to abortion and that states are going to be able to ban abortion by the summer of 2022. So that means an overturning of Roe? Yes, I think that's the most likely thing based on yesterday. You think that would be a 6-3 vote? That's an interesting question. If they're going to overrule Roe, I think Roberts may go along with it because he would want the court to look united. I think he would think it would be worse to have a 5-4 decision overturning Roe. But I don't know. I mean, it would either be 6-3 or 5-4. Thanks for being on the Bloomberg Law Show, Mary. That's Professor Mary Ziegler of Florida State University College of Law. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management 
provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This all boils down to who decides. Who decides when it's in the best interest of the United States to disclose uh, presidential records? Is it the current occupant of the White House? Or, um, or, or the former, who does have some interest in the confidentiality of the documents. D.C. Circuit Court Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson summed up the main question in former President Donald Trump's lawsuit to stop the National Archives from releasing White House records to the House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riots. Executive privilege is typically reserved for the current occupant of the White House. And at oral arguments on Tuesday, all three judges appeared skeptical about Trump's invocation of executive privilege in a case where President Joe Biden has waived it. Here's Circuit Court Judge Patricia Millett. We have one president at a time under our Constitution. That's what GSA is saying. And that the incumbent president has said, has made the judgment and is best positioned, and the Supreme Court has told us, um, to make that call is the interest of the executive branch. My guest. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.